Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 16th, 2010. And this next article, we're looking at Gerald Salente, an interview that he did uh, regarding 2010 will be the summer of terror. Uh, Alex Jones dissects the recent Dow Jones stock market meltdown with trends forecaster Gerald Salente. Salente is the publisher of the Trends Journal and is a business consultant and author who makes predictions about global financial markets and other events. So again, regardless of your opinion of Alex Jones, the thing that I'm looking at here is not so much Alex Jones, but what is Gerald Salente saying? What is Bob Chapman saying? Which is the next interview we'll be taking a brief look at. And again, this is confirming all of the information that's coming down the pike here. Not mainstream, but uh, this type of alternative news information. So, we're gonna. I'm just gonna be looking at the third and fourth video in this series, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, start that right now here. Well, this is fitting music with Gerald Salente on with us. I want to be specific with him in a moment and get into the next phase in the collapse, uh, how he sees this historically unwinding and unfolding. Bob Chapman will also join us next hour to specifically burrow in to his research. I know he's on it to find out exactly what happened yesterday. The word is there was a lot of people that were short on gold in Europe and that they had to dump stock to be able uh, to cover their position. Uh, we know it wasn't a fat finger. It wasn't Procter & Gamble. That's even CNBC admits it was at least nine stocks simultaneously that did this. And they halted trading in Europe. A lot of chicanery. Um, we have a specialist on that issue alone. Bob. Now, this was in regard to the one-day stock plunge that we had recently where it plunged like a 1,000 points and then it rebounded like 500 or something. But that's what he's in reference to. Chapman joining us next hour. Before we go back to our guest... Uh, we produced and released two new films in the month of April. I released, uh, of course, Invisible Empire, New World Order Defined, which is just excellent, exposing the New World Order, the global government, who these people are, how to stop them, government drug dealing, government uh, kidnapping, white slavery, how they're bribing people, how they're controlling them, what the banks are doing, and police state for the rise of FEMA, how they're planning to suppress the people, training to take on the Tea Parties, training the military to take on the American people, the reality of the FEMA camps. It's all proven in police state for the rise of FEMA. But remember William Lewis, who made Camp FEMA and a lot of other great films uh, with Gary Franchi, they have released a new film. I've got it here in stock. We can't start shipping it till the 16th or 17th. It officially comes out the 17th, but that's just a week away, a little more than a week away, about eight, nine days away. If you want it first, we're going to ship this out, UPS or Postal Service, however you order it, and your purchase supports us. But that's not what's important here. That's not what's important. Okay? Supporting us is secondary. This film exposes the Ninth and Tenth Amendment powers, the states' rights uh, rebellion. In fact, I have the Republican Party calling for basically the states to say no to the New World Order today uh, and uh, starting a states' rights task force. The point is, I'm in there, uh, Michael Bagneric, Dr. Edwin Vieira, so many other great political minds about how to take the states back. This is a key handbook. So people know the difference between a democracy and a constitutional republic. This is such an important film. Don't tread on me. You can pre-order it now at Infowars.com. You can also watch the newest trailer. 
because William Lewis uh, has authorized us to make a InfoWars.com-centric uh, trailer. That's up on InfoWars.com. That's up on the Alex Jones channel. You can order the DVD now. We have it with some big discounts with some of the other films. So don't tread on me, ladies and gentlemen. A refresher course on the Constitution now available at InfoWars.com. The people know there's a problem, but they don't understand the full magnitude of it. So get it at InfoWars.com or call toll-free 888-253-3139, 888-253-3139. And I want to thank all of you for your support of the online video bookstore. Okay, going back to Gerald Salente. Gerald, I want to rapid-fire ask you questions and have you finish the uh, Twitter question we mentioned before the break. But before we do that, information is power. Christ said... The people perish for lack of knowledge. We're here to try to give them the knowledge. The guests I have on this show are the people that are consistently right, not the people that are consistently wrong. I know the Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and Hosea 4, 6 said that. But Jesus Christ is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same, same in the beginning was God, so in that sense, His Word says it. The people that will tell the truth, the people that are constitutionalists like yourself... And your uh, trends journal is invaluable. Many of the biggest corporations on earth you've consulted for uh, and subscribed to it. The people need the trends journal. How do folks get it? Trendsresearch.com, trendsresearch.com. And I also want to make it very clear that we know these are difficult times for a lot of people. So we have a discount request form. And we, we try to make it available to everyone, students, unemployed. Not, just tell us what your situation is, and we'll do our best to help you out. Absolutely. And again, give that website out one more time. Trendsresearch.com. That's with an S, plural, Trendsresearch. Okay, Bob Chapman's coming up, and I want to try to keep you five minutes to the next hour so we have every second we can with you now to go through calls and uh, Twitter questions. Uh, but going back to this first uh, Twitter question that I... Uh, posed as we went to break. I'd like to know if he has the same forecast for financial collapse that he had one year ago. Have things changed? So you've been dead on about exactly what would happen, even the countries where it would start. Do you want to revise that any because you have new info? And and then I will add the caveat, the proviso, and what do you see coming in the year after that? What comes next? Here it is. It's This came out on when it was released in January 13th, the top trend. The crash of 2010. We stick with our forecast. Before the new year begins, no one will be able to deny that the great equity markets have crashed. The currencies are being devalued around the world. Gold prices are well over $1,500. We are sticking with our forecast that the markets will crash before the year is out. And I also want to make this very clear. It's not only going to be a financial crash. It's going to come from a lot of different directions. Now, remember, the gold price he's in reference to is, is regarding the crash. It's not 1500 yet, but it is over twelve, And that's what he was in reference to. Our greatest fear, and we've said this when they began the great bailout bubble in March of 2009 is that when all else fails, they take you to war. So what we, our scenario is this, Alex. We're going to see 9-11 magnitude terror strikes happen. When they happen, the last time they happened after 2001, 
they closed Wall Street down for several days. If you had CDs, you couldn't cash them in. They're financial instruments. This time, they're going to close the banks. And when they reopen the banks, we forecast they will de have devalued the dollar. So they'll say, don't worry about it. You'll be able to get your money outage back by the FDIC, but you can't get it out all at once. And when you do get it out, it's not going to be worth a fraction of what it was before. So these are the integrated systems that we're looking at. Okay, so that's a huge thing that he just said. This man has been extremely accurate in his predictions regarding the economy, the crashes, where the crashes occur. So you heard it from him. Even if you have your money in there, and even if you can get it out, it's going to be greatly devalued after this event uh, that's most likely on the near horizon. And I'm saying this so that people take proactive measures now. Don't wait to wake up one day as you did yesterday and see the markets collapse around you. Take proactive measures now. It doesn't cost anything. But if you don't plan for the worst now and the worst happens, then you'll lose everything. If you take measures now and things happen slowly, you haven't lost anything you've gained. So what do we do? Get a lot of our money out of the bank? Most people don't even have any money to get out of the bank. What do you do? Get some storable food, water, get a second job now so you're ready for what's coming. Uh, warn your neighbors so they'll have some respect for you and listen to you when all this comes true. Uh, I mean, what do we do, Gerald? Well, all of those things. Number one, about the neighbors. Like-minded people forming groups. In the event the worst happens, then you have a strategy and a plan. You can work together. It's the community. Keep your money. Don't spend a dime you don't have to spend, especially on junk and eating crappy food. Cook your own, make it better. The survival strategies that you talk about with the seeds and the water. Number three, any money that you do have, I keep it in my own hands. Why keep it in the bank? What are you getting from putting it there? You're only taking a risk. Speaking only for myself, I'm a firm believer in gold. 80% of my gold, my assets are in gold. And then people, you know, I see these comments, and they say, oh, Salenti's involved with, you know, gold companies. No, I'm not. I don't take a penny from anybody. So it's only what I do and what I believe, and I've been writing about it for years. And number three, or number four, I'm a believer in Second Amendment rights. Make sure you're armed for the worst to happen, because you're going to see violence increase at a very rapid rate. So those are the kind of initial things to consider. Grow your own, those crisis gardens that you talk about. The summer is coming upon us. You can grow all the food you need to feed your family and have a lot left over and put it up for the winter. So anything you can do, that Yankee frugality, let's go back to the things that made this country what it was. Use it up, wear it out, make it do, do without. Well, expanding on that, I think about my grandfather on my dad's side. He would repair his own equipment. Uh, I mean, you talk about MacGyver, and, and all those old farmers and ranchers were like that. My dad has a lot of those skills. 
I don't have one-tenth of the skills my dad has. He has probably half the skills his father had. And everybody knew, even in good times, to have storable food, to be prepared, to save money, because they'd gone through the Great Depression. And if we had right at 90% of the public being rural during the Great Depression and being self-sufficient and still major universities have estimated 17 million starved to death over those 10 years. And now we have 89% being being urban and only about 11% being rural. Only half of the rural are somewhat self-sufficient uh, in national studies. If we have another meltdown depression like that, Nobody's going to be able to take care of you. The government, the banks, they couldn't even help with Katrina. They can't even stop an oil leak. I mean, my God, we're talking about a road warrior situation. And, and I see the reports where they're laying off half the teachers in some cities, more than half the cops, half the sheriff's deputies. And the half they keep are there in the news being told they're just there to raise revenue and write tickets for the government. So, and I'm starting to see a lot of sheriffs in Texas and Pennsylvania and Ohio say, buy guns. You've got to protect yourself. So we're seeing the veneer of the civilization, the rotten paint starting to peel off. Yeah, and, and you said it about in the old days, people knew how to do it themselves. You know, I, own, I own a 1994 Audi. I could buy anything that I want to buy. I don't want one of those cars. I don't want it. I don't need all those gadgets. You know, kick the addiction. And by the way, stop wasting your money and going to college and getting a degree in business administration. And this is a lot of baloney. If you're going to go to college, only do it for a skill that you can get a return on investment. That's one of the biggest rackets in this country. We talk about the military industrial complex. We talk about big pharma, big big food. It's also the college industrial complex. This is one of the greatest scams going on in the world. I love it. Oh, my, my son got a scholarship. Oh, not a full scholarship, a partial scholarship. How much is it going to cost? Oh, only about $20,000 a year. Oh, it would have cost $40,000 a year. Yeah, you know what it's like? It's like going to one of these bazaars in Turkey where they give you, oh, you could buy it for this price. They'll get any dollar that they can get. You're wasting your money, sending your kid to school if they're not going to get a diploma that's going to buy them a job. Stop this nonsense and put the money to, to good use. And if you want to get a skill in business administration, start as an apprentice working for somebody but that's the way it was done that's the way it was done i mean i read about the founding fathers and then andrew jackson they were all apprentices that's how they got their law degree that's how they got their professorship is is, is that is that there were a lot of people that wanted to be apprentices they only took the people that were smart and willing to work and that's what built this country was the apprenticeship system exactly people are wasting these kids are getting out of college with fifty thousand dollars in debt and they can't get a job stocking shelves at Walmart at one in the morning. I want to go to calls. Time goes so fast with Gerald Salente. Uh, man, we could spend 10 hours with him here. Uh, I want to go to calls and ask you some other questions, but quickly, you've said some terrorist stage, some of it's provocateur. We know that's true, but you said no. 2010, Pakistan is going to start attacking. You said small attacks, but also leading to huge attacks as big as 9-11. 
And now we see the situation with Pakistan. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I mean, how did you predict that? It's so easy to see. The, it, it, President Obama, the uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner, you know, I, I wonder if Norway is Orwell spelled backwards. <laughs> They've expanded that war in, in Pakistan, this brilliant AFPAC strategy. You know, these, these swivel chair generals and secretaries of this and that coming up with these wonderful strategies. They're going to weed out the Taliban and al-Qaeda on the Afghan-Pakistan borders. So Pakistan is fighting this huge war. They're, there's the greatest refugee crisis since Rwanda. They've now announced yesterday, uh, CNN, 1,000 drones, and it says the kids piloting these by remote are allowed, in fact, print that again for me, to kill anybody they want with no evidence. They just said th that they can just kill anybody who, quote, acts like a gorilla. I, I know. These are called extrajudicial killings white shoe boy languages and it's also what it is it's against international law so what's happening is president obama has already i think it's 34 major drone uh, strikes this year and uh bi-weekly and by the way the cia is, is is behind it and they're not supposed to be involved in these kind of things so now here's the scenario your family gets killed your relatives are slaughtered, maimed. They've lost everything because of a huge proxy war that Washington is fighting in, in, in Pakistan. You think you want to get even? Has nothing to do with al-Qaeda or, or, uh, or, or the Taliban. Oh, it may, but there's other things. It's as old as the Old Testament. It's called revenge. And we're going to see revenge attacks. And then, Alex... They come up with this fairy tale that by waging this war, we're going to weed out the Taliban and the Al-Qaeda on these borders of Pakistan and Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, are you? How about getting rid of the bloods and the crypts in Los Angeles? Just start there before you move around the country. They can't do that. Who in their right mind believes these fairy tales? It's the military-industrial complex that Eisenhower... That Smedley Butler and other great Americans warned us about. And they know. These guys. And they know sorry, that it's going to cause people to attack. And they want the attacks as a pretext to take our freedoms. Exactly. So this is why we're talking about the economics collapse, the economic collapse coming from many different directions. Because just like now, what happened? The oil spill was all over the news. It drained from the news when the Times Square bomber surfaced. Well, you know, we've confirmed they were running a drill. That whole thing looks suspicious to me. But again, what they'll do when there's a terrorist strike, the people will rally behind the president. Look, they did it with Bush. 92% of the people wanted to go attack Afghanistan. To bring back Osama bin Laden, dead or alive, it's nine years later. Yeah, what did what did the Iranians have quoted that he said he's in Washington? Uh, Gerald, we're going to come back and take some calls and ask some quick questions and cover any other trends that you want to discuss here with us. Gerald Salente is our guest. Uh, but going on a break, I want to come back and have you answer this question briefly. 
when you talk about a great war, that's what governments always do when they're imploding, is they launch a big war, World War III style, as a political distraction. I mean, is that what you're basically saying is coming? We're saying World War III is on the way. The riots in Greece will spread across Europe, will spread east into Ukraine, into Latvia, Estonia. The world is going to be on... Okay, and again, I, I wanted to bring this out because there's a lot of practical things that they, they went over in these clips, and also the potential for World War III, and how they're really predicting that this summer, uh, much of this may really start to go down. All right, we got Gerald this segment, the next, and Bob Chapman, the Who Done It. What really happened yesterday with the thousand point plunge? What's happening in the markets and more of your calls? I've got some Twitter questions and Randy, uh, Shanky, Joe, Jeff, and Fred, and others. But a quick question, Gerald Salente. There's a lot of drum beating by the FCC, by the media, by the governments of the world to censor the Internet. Uh, a, when do you see this World War III thing being launched? B, do you see them trying to clamp down on the web? Well, when it happens, they will clamp down on the web. When they lose control, every, every, every aspect where they lose control they will try to double up and gain more control. The war is happening now. Uh, it was announced just uh, two days ago that President Obama is going to step up the attacks in Pakistan. It, it, from Pakistan, it, it, it could explode into India. We don't know what Israel is going to do with Iran. The whole Middle East is up for grabs. There is no peace process. It's only getting worse over there. We can't put a specific date on it. But it's in the making. And unless the people really become aware of it, stand up and, 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 and step out and, and speak out, then we're doomed. All right, let's, the people. let's go to calls. Randy in Texas, thanks for holding. Go ahead. Quick question. Uh, what do you recommend ordinary citizens do with their assets, hard assets? More, more precisely, what type should we get into? Well, I, I'm... I'm not allowed uh, by law to provide financial advice. That's why I always make it clear, this is what I would do. And what I've done, and I've said it over and over again, it's very simple for me. I buy gold, 80%. The rest of my money, I have hedged. I'm in dollars, and I'm in Canadian dollars. One goes up, the other goes down. All I want is wealth preservation. Gold is my wild card. The other ones, all I want to do is stay here. That's right. In this game, gold could be, and this is for me personally, speculatively it could go way up. But bottom line, it has real intrinsic value, and so it is an emergency backup. It's insurance. I'm not looking in this danger zone to have big increases, though gold is doing that. I'm looking at wealth preservation. Thank you, Randy. Shanky in Georgia, you're on the air with Bo with uh, Gerald Salente. Go ahead. Hey, Alex. Uh, thanks. Uh, congratulations, both you and Gerald, for a uh, great success y'all are having and getting the word out. I uh, really appreciate what y'all are doing. Uh, my question resolves. Uh, y'all were talking about uh, money, uh, holding cash, taking money out of the bank. A lot of the questions I get are revolve around 401Ks and IRAs. And, um, you know, with the uh, reflation trade and, and the potential of a failed treasury auction and, uh, all the monetization, uh, they, they have discussed basically what they're discussing in Greek, Greece taking over the pension plan. Uh, Gerald, do you think they'll take the 401k, the IRA monies, and force it into treasuries to uh, keep this country alive as long as possible? 
if if a war breaks out, that could be one of the things that they do. They're, Again, they're, what they'll use is they'll use a war or a terror attack to take any draconian measures that they can and hide behind them. We saw it with Bush with the abrogation of so many of our rights under the Patriot Act, with the you know, with the wiretapping, on and on and on. Yes, it becomes a probability. And unfortunately, I'm stuck in situations too. You know, I have to put money in IRAs. I mean, I get taxed very heavily. You know, so I have my money floating out in that as well. But again, my strategy is it's in, and I know the downsides, believe me, but I have to do something. I have my money in, um, in uh, ETFs. Okay, so that was one of the things that he emphasized there at the end. You know, if things start to get really bad, 401ks, pension plans, IRAs, who knows what else the government will come and take in order to prop up the economy. So if you don't possess it physically, uh, it's a very big risk. And if you're possessing paper currencies, there's nothing backing the paper currencies, particularly you know the dollar. And as a result, if the dollar collapses, then you could still wind up with next to nothing. So he's recommending gold. Um, gold, I really think that you need to just include gold and silver in that discussion. There's a lot of other precious metals as well. Um, Platinum, palladiums went through the roof. Uh, silver right now is at nineteen dollars and thirty-two cents an ounce, so that's up, you know, quite a bit. And uh, gold's over, uh, gold's at twelve hundred thirty-one dollars an ounce. But you know, most likely as the gold goes up, you're going to see the silver go up, go up as well. And for a lot of people, they can't afford, you know, to get, you know, the gold because it's obviously a lot more money. And silver, in a, a barter type of economy, or a barter type of system, um, you could actually have smaller denomination silver, which you could actually, you know, make change. If, if you have a one-ounce gold coin, there's only so much you can do with it. You can't really buy a loaf of bread. So just some things to think about there. And uh, let's go ahead, and we're going to go to the next video here, one video clip from Bob Chapman. And... Uh, we're going to get his take on this as well. Another military intelligence, the biggest gold, silver and gold broker, private broker, uh, and that's mainline news reporting that. Uh, he had, At the time, he had the biggest private newsletter in the world till he retired in 88. He came back in the last decade. We've been interviewing him because he just couldn't stay retired. And uh, he put out the Gary Allen report. Uh, as well, he helped publish None Dare Call a Conspiracy. He's been fighting for 45 years and we've got Merkel blasting treacherous banks in Greek crisis. She's now saying they engineered it. That's a head of state. So the rats are turning on each other. Uh, that's out of French news agency. Here's Bloomberg. Merkel slams Greek scandal as Goldman Roll examined. It's Goldman in every case, as Bob Chapman told you 10 years ago. And so to discuss what happened yesterday. So Bob Chapman was saying this 10 years ago about Goldman Sachs and their corruption level. And the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. We have Gerald Salenti, we have Bob Chapman, we have a lot of other people confirming um, what's going on, the trend that we're moving into, uh, what they're seeing on the horizon. And this is why, and they're, and they're giving a lot of practical things that one might have questions about that you could implement. And then where this melt, I, mean, I remember him saying three years ago, 
Then it would start in Greece, then Portugal, then Spain, now England, a hung parliament in England. They're saying England's got as big a debt ratio. We're already having treasury auction failures. The Fed's having to buy it. California knew when they raised taxes that it would cause less receipts. That was in the L.A. Times two days ago. They know raising taxes and carbon taxes is going to bankrupt us. They want to bankrupt us. They're all or nothing in. This is a criminal financial assault backed up by paramilitary military force. This is it. There's no more denial. We were right about everything. It stands on its own. You better listen to us right now. Bob Chapman of the International Forecaster, good to have you with us for the rest of the hour. Break down what's going on, because if anybody knows what happened yesterday, it is that bloodhound, Bob Chapman. Well, thank you very much. And after all these years, I've got to tell you, Alex, and I'm going to tell you once, you're brilliant. Uh, thank you, Gerald, uh, Gerald uh, Clem, uh, Solente, uh, for the kind words, uh, and uh, I return them, and mutual admiration. Uh, what happened yesterday in the market, uh, we had selling come in from Europe. Uh, I understand it was two hedge funds, and then the black boxes took over. And uh, you just described the results. It dropped 1,000 points. Uh, the government rushed in and ran it back up again. Uh, there was no person pushing the wrong button. Uh, that was a cover lie, if you may. And uh, the market is now down 140 points today and headed south again. And it's going to go down a long way when you got Richard Russell uh, telling us uh, that the Dow's going to 1,000. Uh, I'm looking for um, uh, 2,800 to 3,200. Uh, so isn't Dave Tice. And... Um, Joe Granville as well, and uh, we all know each other, and uh, we don't communicate, so we don't uh, compare things, and uh, and so we're on our way. Uh, if you're in the stock market, you better be out. The only exception is gold and silver shares, and uh, of course you should all be accumulating gold and silver coins. And so yesterday was on a scale of October the 19th. 1987, I was in London that day, and uh, all heck break, broke loose. Actually, they had a hurricane the night before, and uh, and uh, all the trees were down and everything. But I had lunch with a fellow, a friend of mine, and uh, actually two of them, and one of them was from the Bank of England, and he says, you never guess, guess what's going on over at my office. And I said, what? And, of course, that's, this was after the second pint. And uh, he said the U.S., through the IMF, is selling gold, and they just docked it down $100 illegally. So this is nothing new, and this is as damaging as what happened during late 1970, uh, 1987. And that's why the Britain Group and Financial Markets Executive Order was executed and finalized in August of the following year by Ronald Reagan. He was misled. Sure, he wanted to save markets when they were collapsing. Anybody would. But what these people have done, the Goldmans and the Morgans and so on, Treasury and the Fed, what they've done is use it 24-7 in every market in the world, rigging it. A command economy. Bob, let's stop there. For this, wait a minute. The same thing that Adolf Hitler had. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. And start over. We're going to break in about four minutes, but start over. For laymen that have tuned in, we have a lot of new listeners. We've probably gotten 30, 40 new affiliates in the last two months. 
for people that don't know what the plunge protection team is, for people that don't know what a command economy is with insider banks, the top six banks running it, explain to people what happened in 87 and what's happening today and what happened yesterday. The stock market collapsed, and when it was collapsing, they collapsed gold deliberately so people wouldn't think that there was something terribly wrong, when in fact there was. Uh, they've been doing that again under this working group in financial markets, also known as the Plunge Protection Team, made up of the Secretary of the Treasury, the head of the Federal Reserve, head of the Fed of New York, head of the SEC, and the CFTC. And they have crews that work 24-7, and their orders generally come either from the Treasury or the Fed, uh, and they have a joint committee as well. And so they're in there rigging all the time, and this has been going on for a long time. And so this is why uh, you can't get true markets. And the differences between what's going on now and what has gone on before is in this command economy, it's a combination of corporate entities and government working together. In fact, the corporate entities control the government, and they control all the politicians who they can buy off, which is most all of them. That's why it's so important you've got to kick all these incumbents out uh, in this coming election, both in the House and those who are running in the Senate, to give us a chance of implementing something that will change the course. Uh, get rid of the Patriot Acts, uh, get rid of executive orders, lobbying, uh, campaign contributions. I mean, the Federal Reserve, I could go on and on. And that's, that's the course we've got to take. Now, Bob, to inject a question here, yesterday listening to News Radio 590 after I got off air, I heard broker after broker, and I heard private day trader after day trader, and then I went and looked it up and found out that this indeed did happen. The news reported it, but just as a minor footnote, that while this was happening, everyone was locked out of the stock markets, and so the public couldn't go in and buy while it was going down. They couldn't buy while it was going up. And, and, and as you said, the black boxes took over. And so they can't say, hey, we rigged the market. They tell you somebody had a fat finger. But even CNBC has had analysts on saying, look, it was a whole bunch of stocks. This wasn't just Procter & Gamble. And it was huge uh, plunges on the European stock exchanges that caused this. So they think we're so dumb they basically tell us a, a cow kicked over a lantern. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and those people saying those things were right as well. Uh, the black box trading has got to be stopped. Derivatives have to be terminated. And that's part of the things that we have to change. Well, let's explain what black box trading is and your perspectives <coughs> on where the economy is going. Dr. Roberts on this a few weeks ago said that he is now revising his forecast and saying we could have a full-bore total depression even quicker. We're basically already in. This is the brainwashing that's going on. I don't want to just hog Bob Chapman to myself today. We're going to take tweets, tweet questions at twitter.com forward slash the real Alex Jones uh, for people that want to ask specific questions for Bob Chapman. We're going to open the phones up for specific questions on the economy, on the global meltdown, Stock traders can call in, people who were locked out uh, during this controlled uh, plunge and, and the pumping it back up uh, with Bob Chapman today. 
Uh, Bob, I mean, when they say somebody with a fat finger did this, that destroys confidence right there. But it also trains the public that, oh, it can go up and down all day. This is not your opinion. This is on record that there's the plunge protection team. It's on record it's used all over the world. It's on record it's used by insiders and that Goldman Sachs and others have special computer programs that defraud this. And But still, uh, I was on a radio show yesterday and they were doubting me that this even exists. People better find out about this, shouldn't they? Absolutely. And they're in the d denial, many of these people. They've never heard this before. They don't want to hear it. And if they did hear it, they don't want to talk about it because it might cost them their job. So you have this giant blackmail going on on something that is an historical fact, something that functions 24-7 and has since 1988. I mean, we're not only seeing it in the gold and silver market. We're seeing it in commodities. We're seeing it in the stock market all over the world. And uh, this is international fascism is what it is. And they're holding nations hostage saying, you will raise taxes, you will give us trillions of dollars globally every month, we won't tell your Bundes, we won't tell your Reichstag, we won't tell your Parliament, we won't tell your Congress where the money went. How big is this to have Merkel come out and say, quote, Goldman Sachs and the banks are treacherous and engineered this? I mean, that's a quote. And that's right, and she's terrified that they're going to lose the election, uh, which I think is tomorrow in North Westphalia. Uh, which is northwest Germany. And, uh, you know, it's economic survival because she approved uh, the German participation in the bailout, and 63% of Germans were against it. And incidentally, from its very inception of the euro, 69% of men and 71% of women have not wanted the euro in Germany. Okay, so that was that clip from Bob Chapman. Just to give you a little more confirmation on what happened this last week um, regarding this, some ways we compare the, how the game is totally rigged, how they've got software, these black boxes, and this plunge protection team that totally rigged the game. Now, if you want to know more about that, I give you the link here, and it's a multi-part interview. I just don't want to play any more for now. I just want to give you kind of an overview there. Uh, now, relating to this... Uh, subject. This is an article I just just came out on May 10th of this year, entitled "False Flag Operations: The Crisis Route to the New World Order." David Rockefeller said, "Quote: All we need is the right major crisis, and the nations will accept the new world order." So that's what David Rockefeller said. Rahm Emanuel said, you never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that is an opportunity to do things you think you could not do before. So that was what Rahm Emanuel said. In a project for a new American century document, Rebuilding America's Defenses, Strategy, Forces, and Resources for a New Century, we find the following quote, which reads, Further the process of transformation even if it brings revolutionary change, is more likely to be a long one. Absent some catastrophic and catalyzing event like a new Pearl Harbor. False flag or choreographed catastrophes operations have been used for generations for various motives. The seizure of additional land and or natural mineral resources, domestic or foreign, the acquisition of cheap labor, 
economic destabilization, the military depopulation of indigenous populations, the destruction of religious and political ideologies, the establishment of political tyranny and a coup d'etat, as experienced after 9-11 with the establishment of the Patriot Act and the Department of Homeland Security, to also assist an allegedly threatened an allegedly threatened ally or protect U.S. citizens living in a foreign country. The foundational factor in the majority of all these false flag operations is the imposition of greater restrictions on the worldwide residential populations. In other words, they're taking away our rights more and more and more, eroding them, and many times taking away our livelihood and our finances in conjunction too. This is in order to implement internationalism or globalism, formerly known as the, well, known as the utopian New World Order under the direction of an elite hierarchy. False flag catastrophes include terrorist attacks, assassinations of political leaders, national disasters, industrial accidents, armed assaults against citizens. Now, when it says natural disasters, I've got into the fact that they admit they can control weather. And they've, they've been able to do this since the early 70s, and there's governmental documents drafted which prove this, and I've, I've went into that in depth in previous studies. Uh, assaults against the citizens like Waco, Ruby Ridge, Kent State, economic assaults in the form of economic crashes like 1929, or more recently the banker bailouts, both massive redistribution scams. The prevailing feature of all these circumstances, whether man-made or natural, is the transference of culpability followed by the government's predictable exploitation of any and all circumstances. And again, we just heard from two men that are very much predicting uh, there could be some really bad stuff going down this summer, or at least by the end of the year, whether that be World War III, whether it be a false flag event, nuclear event on our soil or on other soil, whether it be some man-made or natural disaster that happens, whether it be something like a uh, pandemic flu outbreak, some type of plague, or it could be all of this in conjunction to implement maximal shock value. And again, then we have the whole thing we talked about at the beginning of the study with Maitreya and these supposed ascended masters who are waiting in the wings to save humanity, to come to the forefront, when all of this stuff actually starts to go down. It probably won't be right when it all starts to happen, but after people are wore down and are under you know, maximal a shock for a length of time, then, then they'll come to the forefront. Most likely, that would be the scenario I would be able to foresee. Next article. <clears throat> this is regarding the uh, <clears throat> CIA Columbia Obama cover-up. Uh, James David Manning says Barack Hussein Obama was a CIA operative who used Columbia University as a cover to go to Pakistan in 1981. When the CIA and the Mujahideen worked together against the Soviet invasion. Obama supplied arms, logistics, and money using his Muslim background. Uh, now, we're just going to play a clip from this. Now, this trial has already started, and I'll give you a little bit of an update on this. And I'm not endorsing this, this man's ministry, okay? But I, I find it pretty interesting. He's, he's a black man that is actually going after Obama. And um, I'll tell you what, he sounds like he's really done his homework here. I am James David Manning, senior pastor of the Outlaw World Missionary Church in Harlem, New York. I'm also the originator of the Columbia Obama 
trials scheduled for the 14th of May, the year 2010. Due to the growing threatening circumstances surrounding this trial, I must now release the full transcript we wish to present, document, and prove at the Columbia-Obama trial later this year. Obama was recruited in 1980 by the CIA while a student at Occidental College in Los Angeles, California. The CIA needed Muslims who were fluent in Farsi and other Islamic customs and understandings. Obama was perfect as an undercover agent. The CIA then later enlisted Columbia University to extend its foreign student program to Barack Hussein Obama that he might enroll in the universities around Karachi and in Pakistan, and also the Patrice Lumumba School in Moscow. With a perfect cover in the U.S. student identity, Obama became the lead agent in the arms and money supply to the struggling Taliban army against the Soviet war machine. Obama's cover was flawless, and his skills as an agent incredible. He was more than integral to the Taliban victory later on that decade. Now, I will be presenting documentation to all that I say here in this announcement. But it is public knowledge that Obama traveled to Pakistan in 1981. We don't know how often he traveled between Pakistan and Russia, or his return to America and back to Pakistan and back to Columbia University off and on during his undercover operation in Afghanistan training and being a money supply and source and interpreter for the CIA uh, to the Taliban during those war years. The State Department of the State Department of Records have been scrubbed the State Department records, pardon me, have been scrubbed and the State Department employee who scrubbed these records was killed to cover up the passport office break-in in April of 2008. His name was Lieutenant Quarrel Harris, a young African-American who was found shot dead in front of the Judah House of Praise Baptist Church in Northeast Washington, D.C., Obama learned his Islamic language skills while he spent six years in Indonesia with his stepfather and mother, Lolo Shatoro. When he returned from his CIA assignment in the mid-80s, he pressured the State Department to allow him to enter Harvard Law School. Uh, He excelled at Harvard, became the editor of the Law Review, where upon his graduation could have become a Supreme Court justice clerk or a multi-million dollar salary would have been offered to him at America's best law firms. Except for one thing, he did not have a legitimate background as a citizen or a student from Occidental or Columbia University. A diligent investigation by a a personnel agency of a major law firm before hiring Obama would have revealed that he was not a U.S. citizen. And how could a C student 
go from Occidental College to America's fifth most difficult school to enter into, Columbia University, and then from there, three years later, enter into the world's most difficult law school, Harvard Law School. And so what must a former CIA operative do when he cannot pass the personnel test? Obama becomes a community organizer on the south side of Chicago where no background check was needed. His marriage to Michelle Robinson, a lawyer and connected Chicago politician, albeit a convenient marriage, now gives him citizenship and the beginning of a solid background. Um, He takes a job at the same law firm where Michelle Robinson becomes his trainer and supervisor, a law firm that is heavily influenced by a small-time criminal named Tony Resco. Michelle Robinson again controls the personnel records. His hiring takes place without a hitch. When questions were raised were raised during the 2008 campaign for presidency about his Columbia years, he spun those questions and the media by declaring himself to be an ascetic, a monk, even a hermit, going days on end without speaking or interacting with anyone, and he did not live on campus with the regular Columbia College students. Today, Obama is a man who loves the limelight and can hardly tear himself away from any camera that he passes by, wants us to now believe that he was once a monk, a hermit, with no interaction with anyone. Michael Wolf, former MTA chairman and graduate of Columbia, says, and I quote, he remembers Obama as a very, very smart student and a great debater, while He was at Columbia, and he was very active in student activities. Now, it appears that Michael Wolff remembers things about Obama that Obama does not remember about himself. Fox News, during the 2008 campaign and questions were raised about Obama's Columbia years, interviewed more than 400 people on campus during the years of 1980 to 1984. Uh, Students, nurses, librarians, custodians, people within the environment, shopkeepers alike. And they discovered in their investigation of the 400 people they questioned, not one of the 400 people remembers Barack Hussein Obama during his alleged Columbia years. So, in other words, one guy said he remembered Obama, who was this real outgoing, involved in all these activities. In other words, he was, you know, paid off or whatever, coerced to say that. Obama himself said that he was a hermit. He didn't have any interaction with people, never, whatever. And then they interviewed 400 people, and nobody could even recall him ever even being there. So, you know, you have to look at the facts in totality. And this is what this man is going to be doing during this trial that he's on. The Reagan-Bush administration and the Bush 43 administration, they all know this about Obama as a CIA operative and his help to win 
the war there for the Taliban in Afghanistan during the Russian invasion. They just did not expect Obama to win the Iowa caucus. When he won that, there was no way they could assassinate him, remove him from the scene. They had to allow him to march over the Clintons and over John McCain. Now, this I don't believe, this part, because I don't believe they do anything outside of their planning. And I, I don't think, I don't agree with him on that at all. But, again, I'm glad at what he's doing to try to expose this evil. And, again, we just talked last week about Clinton regarding all of the, the, the body trail that both the Clintons left when, when you know, uh, he was governor of Arkansas and, and these types of things that provided you the uh, means to look into that much further the Clinton Chronicles that, and then the cocaine and the CIA and all these, I mean, it's, it's integrally related and it really is this bad and it really is with every president in recent times, especially, um, it, it's just becoming more and more and more wicked and, and it's wickedness that starts really at the head. And if the head be sick, the body becomes sick. And if we have a president that is totally corrupted and sold out essentially to Satan, well, it's going to affect the country in a negative way. That he might be the president for whatever information he now holds or interaction he holds with the Soviet Union and over the American people as a threat. We well, One other thing, the, one of the reasons I would say about them, this Iowa caucus thing that he mentioned that I said I didn't disagree with, the vote system has been absolutely rigged for a long, long time. Time and I've provided documentation for that. Um, in in recent broadcast, HBO ran a big special on the black boat uh, black box voting rigging that can easily take place at any place where they have electronic ballots, uh, and how the software companies that handle that are corrupted and rigged. And this has been going on for decades. So I just don't believe that when it comes to a presidential race things are happening at that high level of government um, and that they're unaware of it. As a government and as a people are being held hostage by this former CIA operative, Barack Hussein Obama, who has heavy, heavy Muslim beliefs, Marxist politics, and has an intense hatred for this nation called America. Now, at the trial, on 14th of May, I will document all of these statements that are not general public knowledge that I have stated today when the trial is finally enjoined. But as stated previously, I must, because of growing threatening circumstances, present my case to the American people now. I'm James David Manning, senior pastor of the Outlaw World Missionary Church in Harlem and also the host of the Manning Report. Okay, so that's the uh, the trials from the 14th to the 19th. We're right in the middle of it right now. I'm going to give you a couple updates here of, uh, of what I've got. He's coming out with this information because he feels as though his life is under increasing peril as a result of this information and by coming out with it if he were to be assassinated it would make what he's putting out there all the more credible so sometimes the safest thing you can do is actually come out 
and put this information out for everybody to see. So, I give you the, um, there's a CIA, Columbia Obama uh, trial flyer that he's got. I give you the PDF to that. Um, another video that you can watch where Obama openly admits he's a Muslim. It's been coming out more and more increasingly. Michelle Obama came out and said, you know, the, the thing about the, uh, that he's a citizen, you know, of uh, Kenya or his, his home country. Uh, that came out recently. There's been a lot of things. It's almost like they're they're letting this out to just kind of throw it in your face. That, yeah, the whole thing about him being qualified to be president of this country is such a joke. And on so many different levels. But it's just suppressed in the media. But yet they'll let out little things, you know, to uh, to make sure that uh, that, you know, they're communicating this on some level. The uh, this is from the conservative examiner regarding this trial. It's, they're calling it the trial of the century. Uh, with thousands of spectators expecting to attend Dr. James Manning's trial of the century on charges of treason, fraud, and sedition, begin tomorrow, 9 a.m. New York City. It's already begun. Uh, co-defendants in the trial are Columbia University and the CIA. In the last days of the run-up to the trial, Manning revealed that he has sources in government that will testify against Obama, Columbia, and the CIA. He also reported explosive information that Barack Obama has used upwards of 20 different social security numbers during his lifetime. Witnesses are expected to testify at the trial. Barack Obama was never a student at Columbia University, although he received a degree from the school. Dr. Manning claims that Columbia, therefore, is an accomplice to the fraud. Other witnesses are expected to testify that Obama fails the constitutional test for presidential eligibility due to the fact that his father was a British subject at one time of his birth, and his mother was not old enough to confer citizenship when he was born. A dramatic new revelation, however, may serve to reemphasize the importance of the trial. The state of Hawaii, according to sources, did not accept his birth registration that was filed despite issuing a statement of live birth. This could mean that although the state issued a certification certification of live birth, not a birth certificate, the process for filing for an official birth certificate in 1961 was never completed and thus was not accepted by state officials. Um, many questions have been raised regarding the legal status of the trial. Dr. Manning insists that this is no, quote, mock trial or a kangaroo court, but it carries the weight of the Constitution and the authority of the judges and attorneys who have agreed to conduct the proceedings. So he's actually got judges and attorneys that have agreed to conduct these proceedings. If sufficient evidence is presented for a guilty verdict to be rendered by the jury, then it is up to law enforcement as to whether or not further action is taken. However, if the evidence presented is overwhelming, accurate, and verifiable by reliable witnesses, then it would be incumbent upon law enforcement to initiate the next step, arrest, and further court action. It will be most interesting to observe whether or not the evidence, the official documents that have been previously concealed in the sworn testimony of witnesses will be enough to put to rest, once and for all, all the glaring questions regarding Obama's background, history, associations, and the murky goals for the nation. Again, I give you the link there. Uh, I give you a link to a study I did on Obama. I've done several on Obama. Uh, This is just a report from day one of the trial. Uh, Observers from all over the world, from various states, were in attendance, including persons from Germany, Canada, Hawaii, California, Texas, North Carolina, Virginia, and Florida. Today's activities were primarily preliminary. Um, 
There was a march around Columbia University, the questioning and selection of the jury, the opening remarks by Dr. Manning. The trial begins in earnest tomorrow. The synopsis of days day one can be found at, I'll give you the link there, and where they actually have photos and stuff too. Here's an excerpt of the report. The indictment was handed down via grand journey, and the subpoenas were refused by Columbia University and the Obama administration, according to the testimony of the indictment, which alleges, number one, so in other words, the Obama administration and Columbia University have already, uh, they were refused, okay, these indictment charges, which are, number one, Columbia University and Obama conspired to defraud and commit wire fraud and mail fraud. Number two, Columbia University knowingly concealed the fact that Obama is not a natural-born citizen. Number three, Columbia University aided in obstructing justice. Obama, number four, Obama frequently obtained the office of the POTUS, uh, gaining access to sensitive materials, posing a danger to national security. I would assume this was during his CIA days. And five, the prosecution dropped the charges of treason and espionage to avoid complications with a death sentence. Dr. Manning stated that the charges of treason and espionage were dropped due to the fact that if the jury found Obama guilty, they may recommend a death penalty. <laughs> Manning said he does not believe in capital punishment and therefore recommended to the prosecution that those charges be dropped. Well, again, you're going to have to you're going to have to have teeth to Im- to implement that, and I think you're going to have a pretty tough time uh, doing that. But anyway, uh, this is what they're doing right now. It's going on right now as, as we're talking here, and uh, interesting stuff. And uh, I don't do, again, I, I haven't done a lot on exposing Obama because to me, it's kind of like a moot point. Yes, I think these things should come out. The problem is, is it's all always suppressed in mainstream media, and people don't seem to want to do anything about it anyway. There's just very few that will actually take any kind of stand on this. And um, my people like my listeners, and these, those are like the exception to the rule. So, may the Lord's will be done, something that you can pray about, all these things, the things to pray about, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I know there's an overwhelming amount of evidence, and I, I, again, I've chronicled this and documented it in so many previous teachings regarding Obama, but I did that primarily before he got into office, because I knew once he was into office, uh, it was going to be a lot harder to unseat him. God can do anything, the Lord Jesus Christ can unseat the man, and I have heard you know, like cutting edges of the opinion, I believe that um, Obama will be discredited so that they can bring in their nut, their next. You know, he has a plan. They're going to use him for a certain time, and then they're going to discredit him so that then they can bring in the next draconian person uh, to take his place. So we'll see. Uh, next article is entitled "Palestinians See Obama as Their Savior." Roadside signs and billboards put up as part of a new public relations campaign in the Palestinian Authority-controlled territories are hailing the U.S. President Barack Obama as their savior of the Palestinian Arabs. Now remember, we are negotiating at this point on behalf of the Palestinian Authority to the Jews. We're acting on behalf of the Muslims in regard to negotiations with Israel at this point. It's unprecedented. So I can understand why this would be happening. These signs, billboards and signs, read, quote, Barack Obama, free us from slavery, occupation, and the settlements. Now remember, Israel occupies um, an absolute tiny, little, tiny fraction of the lands called Arab. Why can't they just move to 
all of these other lands that are available for them to occupy. Why? Because they're bent on the absolute, total, literal destruction of Israel. That is what the Quran teaches them. They have to implement this. So the Muslims that are there, they're by design. They're told, I literally believe, to occupy and occupy and keep taking and keep taking until we're in more in uh, more range of these missiles that they can fire at Israel to destroy the population. They don't want peace. Muslims don't want peace. There will be no peace. The only peace that they would ever have is if they annihilated all of Israel and then to go on to annihilate the rest of the world that were non-believers in Islam, which are called infidels. And it says in the Quran to slay and destroy all the infidels. It would never be enough. So, when they say, Barak, free us from slavery, occupation, settlements, I mean, come on. You know, they don't even have to be in that area and... It's just propaganda. The campaign dubbed Dear Barak was started by a local Palestinian radio station and has quickly gained public and official support according to the Palestinian Authority's Wafa news agency. It's called Dear Barak. Give me a break. Come on. As part of the campaign, individual Palestinians have also been sending emails to Obama's personal email address urging him to become a true historical hero by freeing them from what they call Israeli oppression. And again, I give you the link to that. I also give you the link to my teaching I've done called uh, Obama to Abandon Israel While Embracing the Islamic Nations. It goes into this subject in greater detail. Let's go ahead and end part two there, and we'll go to part three next.